step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Don't go around and waste your life. Worried about what they do. Actually, it ain't worth your time. You know what I'm saying is true. So every time you're looking down, yeah, lift your head and look around. And you are listening in this world. Welcome to a special session of Focus Females Global Chat Cafe. I am your host, C. Maria Wall, a.k.a. The Mediated Shiro, right here at our ground zero. 
Wow, where do I begin today? Um, this is our final show for the season, and so much has happened in the last couple of weeks that uh, I felt the need for our chat starter for the day for our open chat session. It would have to talk about uh, this new era of hatred and social injustice. I believe Ali B is on the line with me today. Um, we're going to try to get as much into our program as we can. We're not going to, I'm not going to do the shout outs today and all of that. I want to jump right into our program because uh, Tarjay won't be joining us. She's under the weather today. And um, we're just going to get this message out here, especially to parents, the people who have small children, uh, where all of this unrest in this country as a whole is starting to take its toll on us as a people. So, Allie B., sweetie, good morning. Um, We're just going to jump right into your piece for today. We're going to talk about it for a little while. It probably will be an abbreviated show today because people, to be honest, Allie and everyone, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting on my place of business. I'm tired of fighting on everything. I need to step up my game so that I can leave Um, An unhealthy work environment, Um, everything seems to be lily white driven and um, these people willing to lie, cheat, steal, do whatever to uh, deny their culpability to um, point the fingers at everyone but themselves. Uh, So much has gone on this week, so. For those of you listening, no, I'm not in a good place today. And um, I'm going to turn it over to Allie B because she did a very um, powerful piece for this week. And it's sad that we have to end our Saturday morning programs for this season on such a um, volatile note. But it is life and we have to talk about how we're going to deal with it. So, Allie, take it away. Okay. I had it all figured out. On last week's show, I shared my experience about letting go, even when I felt I was not ready, leaving behind old things to embrace new ones. This week, I began to write about closure after seeing a post about not being able to move on until accepting certain truths about life. Part of the post said, you will not receive closure in every situation but you can create it for yourself. Letting go and closure were well-connected, and I was excited to share my experience with finding closure for myself in many situations I've experienced. Then it happened. Here I am, back to square one, feeling emotions I didn't expect to feel again for another black man senselessly killed. I can't get my mind off the image of that white police officer with his knee in George Floyd's neck, hands in his pocket like it was business as usual. Another day, another nigger getting arrested. We'll just say he resisted arrest is probably what he thought, if he was thinking at all. He sure as hell was not thinking about the man he was crushing to death, the man who was pleading for his life, telling the officer that he couldn't breathe. Remember Eric Garner? 
and that everything hurt. He cried out until he could not anymore. It was reported he died at the hospital. Many said he was already gone before he was even placed onto the stretcher. All for what? An alleged crime of using a fake $20 bill in a store? A so-called fake $20 was worth George Floyd's life? His childhood friend and former NBA star Stephen Jackson Jr. shared how George had moved to Minnesota to start driving trucks. Jackson said those who knew them knew they called each other twins and how proud he was of Jackson's success. He also said George was working on being his best self. I couldn't bring myself to view Ahmaud Aubrey's murder, and I can't bring myself to watch George Floyd's murder either. I don't want to have this conversation with my children, but I know as a black mother, I have to. I don't want to look at my husband and think that the same fate could happen to him. I don't want to look at my stepson and fear for his life. I don't want to look at my young black students knowing their mothers and fathers have to have these hard conversations too. I don't want to hear any rationalization over the actions of the now former police officer. I don't want to hear, had he only complied, then he just might still be alive. I don't want to hear any statement on behalf of the former cop who killed him. I don't want to hear about George Floyd's past that would in any way imply he deserved to be murdered. I don't want to hear from Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents who want to politicize this murder. I don't want to hear that people shouldn't see color. I don't want to hear that this is not about race. I don't want to hear about how all lives matter as a response to discussions about his murder. And I don't want to hear about how black-on-black crime is far worse when we know good and well that we cannot trust those who took an oath to serve and protect us to help us. The four officers have been fired, and as I write this, calls for their arrests are loud and incessant. What will closure look like for Georgia's family? The fact that they will have to create closure for themselves is completely unfair. Justice needs to prevail. We can no longer hope or wish for change. It is time for us to create the closure we need to end the unjust system that continues to support racism and its races. And that's that's about where we're going to start our discussion today because you know it, it, this has been going on for a while now and one of the things that I want to say to the listeners wherever you are is that some people out here calling for a revolution but many are still out here doing what I'm called revolutioning. What is the point of you all tearing up your own places and um, looting, stealing, breaking the law, doing more things? Every time one of our own is killed 
unnecessarily, unjustly, the first thing people do is look at their past. You know, 25 years ago, they were arrested for shoplifting. They were arrested for domestic blah, 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 25 years ago. The realization is that a lot of crimes in this country alone are committed by people who do not look like the brown. The people who are benefiting from the welfare system are not brown. The people who continue to kill the brown are those who are walking around wearing masks and hiding behind shields and carrying weapons. As I watched the videos, there are several. At one point, there were one, two, three, four officers holding this man down who was handcuffed on the ground, who fell off of the curb as they were should have been putting him in a police car. Um, there were literally the man who looked like he just did not care. And there was three others, I think, on this gentleman at one point. Uh, there was another report that I found, and I'm still trying to see the validity of it, that they worked at the same club or bar together, this police officer and the victim. So this police officer knew full well who this man was. And when I was watching him stare at the cameras as he had his hand on his hip and he had his uh, knee on the gentleman's neck, I just looked at his facial expression. I looked into his eyes, and I said, what are you thinking right now? Why are you doing this? That man was dead when they rolled him over on that stretcher. It looked like his neck was limp. Everything about him was just gone. And they just kind of stood there. And this is being permeated by the powers that be in this country uh, the so-called leadership has said it's okay for you to hate them all. And now to have, what is it? What was the comment that was made? And now the person in power just starts signing things because he doesn't like the fact that he can't say, loot him and shoot him or whatever the devil he was saying. The bottom line is that now you're giving even more people the rights to kill the brown. And it's okay. And people will still vote for this individual because it's okay. You know, so for me now, I have another generation that I have to worry about. I just received my conceal and carry holsters for all of my weapons. I'll usually be having two of them on me when I have to. I got my car's dash cam so that the police won't be able to say that I did or said anything. I have a cabin cam, too. So everything that goes on will be recorded. If you're going to kill me, there's going to be proof that you should be in jail for my murder. That's what I'm saying. I bought a piece that could be taken out of the car, and I can carry it with me in addition to my cell phones and all of that. Because when I'm out and about and I even think something's going to happen, I'm going to go on Facebook Live and every other live out there and other platforms that they don't know so they can't start taking down the evidence. What we have to do is learn that looting is not the answer. 
yes, some of us, if you weren't doing something illegal, that I can't even say that anymore because they're targeting innocent people who are just jogging down the street. They're looking for people, taking, helping people to lose their jobs when they're being threatened by racists. Then you want to fire them until the heat comes. Showing on film that you're planning on saying that a brown person is accosting you, making a false police report, and then the police say no crime was committed last time I checked. False police reports were a crime, but of course the victim was white. So uh, this piece meant a lot to me because I felt your pain. I felt your concern. I have a son who doesn't respect me at all, but he's still my child, and he's all the way across the country. You know, he's made some mistakes and done some pretty interesting things in his life. Has he ever been um, arrested legally? Absolutely not, but that doesn't mean anything in this country. He could still be stopped and killed on a dime because these undercover racists hide behind a shield and carry guns. So, Allie, I mean, gosh, what what are you sitting down and saying to your, to your babies at this point? This has to be a real discussion to say, hey, you're a target in this world. What are you saying to them? I mean, how, we, how are you bringing it home to them that they have to be vigilant, you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, every second of their lives? What are you saying to them? It's been really difficult. I want to shield my children, but I have to let them know the realities. And my oldest, she's more aware she brought it up to me yesterday and asked me if I had heard about what happened to George Floyd. And I told her, you know, when she was ready, we would be able to talk. I have no idea what to say to my six-year-old. She's very impressionable. And I don't want her to go to school with, the knowledge that there is this chip, that there is this issue with race and that she needs to be careful and that she might see people that look like us, that look like her dad and look like her brother who might be in situations that are unjust. I don't want to have that conversation with her. I still want her to be a kid. I don't want her to hate or resent anybody. I don't want her to grow up and be suspicious and be scared or be complacent and docile because she's afraid that if she responds in a different way that there's some sort of retaliation. I'm lucky that my one-year-old, I don't have to have this conversation with her yet. I know that it is foolish to think that issues with race, you know, can be fixed in my lifetime or even in my children's lifetime. 
I just didn't want them to have to experience some of the little things, even the microaggressions, some things that I remember experiencing growing up in Virginia, in the South, simple things. I recall a time when I had a friend who was white, and we played outside and everything, and she had a pair of shoes that she wanted me to have. And so when I walked with her back to her apartment, she told me to stop at the door. I couldn't go in because her parents don't like black people. This was in the early 90s. And I'm floored to think that now in 2020, my children will have to experience something like that. My oldest has talked to me about uh, a student in one of her classes who makes snide remarks and will say, you know, slick things about race, um, just enough to kind of get under people's skin uh, whenever anything is mentioned about black history or um, black leaders, things of that nature. And that really bothers her. And we've been able to broach the subject and talk about race. I don't want it to be a conversation where they leave thinking that, you know, everybody is bad, that all white people are bad. I don't want that to be their takeaway because that's not the case. I'm hurting and I've been hurting for a very long time. And like everybody else, I'm tired. I am completely tired of feeling some negative way because I'm an African-American female raising African-American children married to an African-American man. I think about those little things, those microaggressions that have been in place that seem, you know, just par for the course. I had a conversation on Facebook with somebody who said that they didn't see where race played a factor in what happened to George Floyd. And I said, well, with the exception of them basically saying, all right, black man, we're going to put you down and because we think you're resisting, I'm going to put my knee in your neck, black man. I figured that was the type of blatant racism they were expecting. But it's embedded. It's embedded in actions. It's embedded in people's speech. When I was a child, uh, still growing up in Virginia, one of my friends who was white had another friend who was white who came up to visit from Florida or something like that. And I had spoken to her on the phone, and she seemed really nice and everything. But when we were face-to-face, she was like, oh, I didn't know you were black. Based on how I spoke, she assumed I was a little white girl. And that changed my whole demeanor and how I interacted with her from then on out. One other circumstance that sticks out in my mind that might seem trivial to some, but for me, it really affected me. 
I was in elementary school. I was about, I think, maybe fourth or fifth grade, and we were watching Roots. I'm not quite sure why we were. I don't think that we had any discussions about why we were just watching it. And I got upset, and I started making comments, and a white uh, student was like, why are you so upset? And I said, you know, because they're like, well, this just happened all in the past. I'm like, well, this happened to, you know, my ancestors. And it troubled me that I even had to explain that. Growing up, we, my mom told us, or told me especially, that there were only certain places that we could go and certain places in Virginia that we couldn't stop because if we did, we would get into some trouble. I would I was raised to see that Confederate flags meant danger and that that wasn't a safe place. When we were living in an apartment, we had uh, people who were living right underneath us, and I, you know, as a child, would play around and things like that. And I think a couple of times they would come up and, you know, knock on the door and tell my mom or remind her, you know, hey, you know, we're living down here. But it was more than that because they were white and their truck had a Confederate flag uh, decal or something on it, our alarm was already raised. And that's not the world that I want my children to live in. But that's what it is now in 2020. All those experiences I had were in the early 90s, Uh, going on, even as an adult. I remember when I was working as a staff writer for a newspaper, the photographer and I, you know, we would travel throughout places and, you know, searching for stories. And he would tell me about interesting people that he came across in his work because he'd been a photographer for, at that time, at least 25 years. And we were riding in Randolph County, North Carolina, And we stop at this one house, and immediately I see the Confederate flag, and I get nervous because I'm riding with a photographer. I have no idea where I am. I don't know how to get out. I'm thinking if something happens, how am I going to escape if if I'm, you know, I felt like I was in some type of danger. The photographer assured me, you know, that everything will be fine. And then in going out and talking to the the gentleman, he basically said, you know what, you're really nice uh, for a colored girl. That was in, what, 2007 or so, you know? So I was somewhat relieved that, oh, okay, well, thinks I'm nice, so that's good. We can continue on with, you know, our discussion and everything. And another part of me was like, sweet Jesus, I need to get out of here. And those are not the feelings that I want my children to have, but I have to prepare them for that. And I'm angry that I even have to do that. But I would not be a responsible parent if I did not. And just knowing the temperament of my children, I know that my oldest will be more reflective and, you know, kind of mull over the things that I say. But for my six-year-old, you know, is that what the case is? Okay, well, I'm not going to talk to any of them. And I don't want that for her. I don't want, she's only six. 
And right. when my stepchildren come back tomorrow, I even asked my husband in the car, I was like, well, what, what do you want your son to know about growing up and being a black man in America? He said, it's a lot. He said, where do I begin? And for yeah. me, I'm kind of at a loss. Where do I begin to have this conversation that I don't want to have, but I'm forced right. to have it? And I don't, I, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what I can show. I don't want my daughter. I asked my oldest, like, did you see the video? And she said that she had, because I couldn't bring myself. I said, whew, because she spends time online and things like that. And the last thing I want for her to see without me being there, something that she shouldn't. After I had written uh, my thoughts about what happened to George Floyd, I think several days later, um, a friend of my husband's had sent him one of the videos, and he had watched it. And then he watched it with me, and it, I, it's, I can't get it out of my head. There's no right. justification whatsoever. And all those little feelings that I felt for myself, like, oh, my God, you know, this is a million times worse. I just watched right. a man die. That man had his knee in his neck long after he stopped pleading to get up. He wanted Even him to when, be dead, that thing. Yeah, I just exactly. think that he wanted him to be dead. And um, for those of you who are in our call query, welcome. If you'd like to join our discussion, please press the number one on your phone, and I will bring you on air, especially if there are any Males on the call. We do have someone who's getting ready to join us now. Um, last four six eight three nine six eight three nine. Um, trying to connect you. Welcome to the conversation, caller. Good afternoon, morning to you, Dr. Maria Wall. This is Pastor Golden. I want to thank you again for the invitation to to listen into the show. This is a very relevant topic that you guys are discussing that is relevant to all people of color as well as non-color. And I just want to tell you with the lady that's uh, presently on the account, you took me back in my late teens, early 20s. We had bought a, I bought my first car and I was on my way home. We worked at Giant Food back in the day when Giant Food used to wear white shirts and the color of the store's logos, ties. we had brown ties. It was me, my brother, and a co-worker of his that we were taking home. And I was coming on Wabash Avenue. I could see it just as it happened like it was yesterday. And I had a brand-new car, and the police followed us from Old Court all the way to Wabash. And I deliberately went through a yellow light, but slow enough that the light was going to turn red. So, in other words, we break the the police officer from following me. To make a long story short, he went through the red light, turned on his lights, another cop came head on at me, and they pulled us over, and they pulled, asked us to step out of the car, 
wanted driver's license and registration because we had three black men that not supposed to have a new vehicle. And we were all coming from work. We got off work at 9 o'clock. And, I mean, things could have gone south. It hadn't gotten to that point as of yet. And we're living in a day and age where things are videotaped. Just imagine how many have lost their lives because they're so, you know, yes. and when you talk about what do you say to things like that, and, and the thing about it is the, the, this, we think that we've gotten beyond that as far as racism is concerned. We have taken years back. Yes. And if it ever has changed, I don't believe it's this changed because the people are really crazy. And they and they mm-hmm. are intimidated by us. A simple traffic stop. You know, we could lose our lives. And then we, we have the woman that sat up there and lied on that man and made fake crackers all kids. Just imagine if the police had went there to that situation. That would have that could have been a that could have been a horrible situation. Lives yes. could be lost. And we don't talk about those types of things. And the, and the thing about it is we got people in public service that hate people of color. When you work in the public sector, you're supposed to be cared about, caring about serving the people. And I believe that we need to unite as a people, first of all, as people of God, secondly, as people from the human race, thirdly, to realize that minorities have rights and regulations just as the majority has. And we need to get everybody on the same page. And if anybody's not going to line up and agree and to adhere to the rules and regulations, they need to see that we will vote you out. Because if this is time out for this. This has to go. This thing makes yes. me, it makes my blood boil. I want to yeah. share just one scripture out of the book of James. It says, let every man be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Why? Because the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, I can't get mad at my brothers and sisters for getting angry. But the thing about it is, is how we handle that anger. And we have yes. to be, that's when we have to really raise up and say, okay, it's all right. Your feelings are relevant. They are real. It's a part of the relational process, and it is rich. We have to learn how to work through those things, discuss through those things, come up with programs and policies to put in place so that we can move beyond this. We need to pray and we need to help rear up the younger generation, some folks that will really go into public service and do a public job that will bring that will bring life and leave a legacy to the upcoming generation to follow forward of. And I think I will pause out of here then. But I, I hope that you have some moments to stay with the conversation because oh I am you both oh you both touched on so much and again let me tell you all something right here right now in 2020 what's the day 530 2020 come next week I'm meeting with one of the mediators at my job I'm in a unit that's male driven male everything all the six figures are white males and they. Uh, it's just been a rolling problem for me as an educated, highly qualified black African-American female. The first time I tried to voice my opinion, they didn't have a private meeting that they asked for. They had a meeting among themselves, and I guarantee you everyone was lily white. They sent me back a letter and said that I was unprofessional and choose my words better. They tried to silence me. 
The supervisor said, I ain't had a problem with it because it's whatever, but HR told me to copy and paste this for you. Well, who in HR? I want a meeting. I want to know why you all throwing all your work on me, but you're not paying me for it. And then the person in charge of my unit tells me that when they gave me, after they audited my job, they were going to give my white counterpart with 10 years of service. I have 40. They were going to give her the same raise they gave me. We don't even do the same job. This is what I'm going through right now as of May 30th, 2020. We have to raise our voices. We have to stop being intimidated into silence. We have to come together. It's not going to be everybody because some black folks out here are still waiting for someone to come and save them. They'd rather join the crowd and do that revolution instead of a revolution. (laughs) Oh, you better say That's the difference that we have Mm -hmm. coming here. The bottom line is that if that means people, we have to commit. If I say I'm going to have a private Zoom meeting, we have to bring our children together so that we can tell the stories of what we're going through right now. The, one of the most feared people on this planet is not the black male. It's an educated black female. Whether people know wow. it or not, they will come after us. Why? Because, number one, we're women. And why? Because these white men think that they have power over every single woman, white, black, green, yellow, or pink polka dot. But when you have an educated black woman, they fear us. And we as a people, we have to come together. Ladies, if you're educated and you think you're better, come on down a couple notches. We have to bring this home to our children. If not the men, we have to bring it home to the next generation of men. We have to come together, people. We have to stop support every time a company has proven their colors. They haven't gotten a penny out of me. My hair's natural. You know why? Because guess what? They're not nobody money out of me that don't realize that my money is green, even though my face is black. Wow. I've been researching all of the different products that I can get. First of all, we have to come back and take care of home. There's so many black organizations that people don't support us because you're not running your business properly. Your prices are 10 times higher. Don't give me that. That we're black and we can't do what the big banks to do. No, you can do whatever you want to do as long as you know the business of your business. But until you decide to learn that, you're not going to get the support that we need to keep ourselves thriving. Number two, we need to know how to shut our mouths. We need to know how to do what we need to do because another thing that scares them to death is our silence because they don't know what we're going to do. As long as we're out there looting and carrying on talking about we just tired. I know that you're tired, but you're not tearing up Uptown, Luli Fufu's spa. You're tearing up your own communities. There will yeah. be nothing left for you. So until we realize that, we can't move forward. And for those of us who we have arrived, my title doesn't mean anything. My title, I can pick up a lady was on. I talked to a lady a long time ago, and she talked about with the nose up, my husband is a I said, this is what you do, sister. I said, if you in the middle of a fight, whether it's a knife or a bullet, don't get your AA degree because that's not going to save you. You reach for that master's degree or higher because if you throw it in front of you, It's going to stop that racism. It's going to stop that bullet and that knife from hurting you because that means something. That don't mean a thing because guess what? I have my degrees everywhere. I can go down here, walk through my corridor, and see a wall of paper 
It's still paper. I have people in there. White boy got mad at work, told me, Mr. This and Mr. That. I said, well, if you want to get that formal, my title proper is Dr. Wall. Just remember that with your diploma mill bachelor's degree. And one day I heard, I was listening to a talk show, and the host, she said something that stayed with me to this day. A black person with a doctor's degree will never get the compensation and pay of a white person with a high school diploma. Mm. And less qualification. I see it in the hiring practices where I work. I see how friends and family of all the people that don't look like me keep getting six-figure jobs. I see how the same two people can be hired with the same job qualifications. I see the resume of the African-American. I see the resume of the the Caucasian person. I see the pay. The African-American thinks that they have arrived at 85000 when their white counterpart is making one twenty six. I see what's going on. We need to come back to telling the story. We cannot let our history and our legacy die. We can't do it. But these young people nowadays, everybody got the hair slinging, and they be going to the left and right, and their hair be slinging, and then some of them get caught on the forever videos where the hair come flying to the left while they sashaying to the right. We need to stop the foolishness. We need to come home and remember who died so that we could have the fake hair and nails. Just a few weeks ago, the woman left her children in the car right around the corner from me to go get her hair and nails done during the pandemic shutdown. Because, you know, this means something. This means something. This show, everybody should be on this show talking about whatever. But again, we're like, we're the worst crabs in the barrel. People want to imitate. They don't want to support. And that's where the problem comes in. We don't talk about this. Oh, I don't care. It's not happening to me. I'm good. I got me my job. I don't care. So until it comes to your door, many people do not care. Many people just don't Mm -hmm. care. We need to tell our children, people, prayer is one thing. We can pray all day, but we also have to be proactive. Yep. Because if we're not being proactive, we're going to remain reactive. And that leads to the looting, and that gives these small minds who don't want to admit to anything. They say, see, see, look at what they're doing. See, see, look at what they're doing. Don't give them fuel for their fire. We need to go back to learning how to move like the days of the Underground Railroad. We need to know how to move in silence in the darkness. We need to remember what it is to do yep. what we have to do without That's letting so them right. know what we're doing. We have to do that. You're in a workplace, mm. yeah. Follow that chain of command, but know what to do next. Know that I went to law school. Why? Because guess what? I knew that those white attorneys weren't representing me properly. When I had someone, when they went dire straits, they decided to have their daughter say that my son tried to touch her inappropriately. The white policeman came and arrested him. He was found not guilty because mama, my attorney said, well, you know, what you should do is just go ahead on and take that plea deal. And I said, you can go straight to hell. No harm, Pastor, but that's what I told him. I'm paying you to represent him. I'm paying you to represent him. And you telling me, go ahead and plea deal. And I keep telling black folks, y'all better learn. I became a mediator. I said, y'all, don't give these white men your money. 
I can help you solve your problem. My area of expertise is family law, child support, custody, all of that. If you need an advocate, I will go with you to make sure that your attorneys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because if they're not, I'll be the one to say, excuse me, I'm advocating now. Counselor, you know daggone well that's not right. Well, you know, I've got a I went to law school. Me too, and graduated with honors. Keep talking. Go ahead. Because I know the law is not sleep. Go ahead. Keep talking. Go ahead. Continue to unimpress me. I don't have a problem writing up anybody who's mistreating me and mine. But we need to understand something. The same people will walk past me as a darker-complected black woman and take care of everybody else. I did that one time. I went out. Now, this is how back in the day when I was so on point. Let me let me hold on a second while I tell you all this. I said, I'm going to go out here and get me a Mercedes. I always wanted one for my birthday. I walked into that store and stood in the middle of the floor for an excess of 40-some-odd minutes. The black man walked through. Two people got off the bus. I looked to my right and saw him get off the bus on Town Road. They walked in. Hi, how may I help you? A lady came down, a white lady with dark hair. can't remember her name. She said, do you need some help? I said, I've only been waiting for X amount of minutes. I said, this gentleman came here and talked to these people that got off the bus. They couldn't afford a Mercedes if they tried, but they were white. Mm-hmm. Oh, how, da, 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 da. she said, oh, may I help you? I said, I saw this car. I'd like to see it, blah, 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 sitting in the office. She said, you know, do you have anything to put down? I said, pretty much I'm paying close to cash. Oh, well, would you like some coffee? She said, you had that woman waiting, and she did the, here comes the black man. Ma'am, would you like for me to get, I don't need you to do anything, but get on up out of this office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And people wonder why. Why, you you know, you, you got this. Let me tell you all something. I may be black, I may be crispy, I may be ugly to most of the African-American race, but guess what? I'm a smart woman, and I'm not going to support you just because you don't like my black face either. So we got to take care of that problem, too. We have to address that problem of being self-hating. You're prettier because you're lighter. Or, oh, you're dark and you're crispy and you're this and that. So you feel the need to to resort down to name-calling. I've been there, done that. Negroes, that don't work with this system. I knew one thing in my life because I had an abusive childhood. I knew one thing in my life. I was either going to kill myself at some point or I was going to rise and thrive, and I chose the latter. Amen. So I'm saying this to people. I said, we have to come together. We have to come together. Those of you who think you have arrived, you need to be that catalyst to reach down and pick some people up. Let's get together. Let's network. Let me start that women's group. I reach out to churches all the time. I'm so-and-so, and we have a women's group. No, because no harm, but I'm going to keep it real. Most churches are out here for the money. If your pastor driving a Bentley and he living in the mansion and the church is in foreclosure, there's a problem. <laughs> say it. Say it. I'm sorry. Say it, though. We can't solve these problems until we fix home. I did a piece a long time ago said, is your bed made? I said, because your bed indicates how you're living your life and how your day is going to go. If your bed is full of junk and you're living on the edge, you live your life on the edge. 
If your house is cluttered, if you can, I said do the do the nighttime darkness test. If you can't turn off the lights and run through your house in case of an emergency, there's a problem. Clean up your house, make your bed, you change your life. That's the small things. We have to start at home. Yes, I'm angry today, upset today. I'm tired. But I'm telling you, ain't a thing changed. These lily white people still playing the same games in the workplace. And for those of you colored folks, y'all think you have arrived? When your illiterate, incompetent white counterparts become your boss, when your illiterate, those illiterate, unqualified white counterparts make more money than you, but you convince yourself. We have been so conditioned that we convince ourselves that I'm okay. You know, I can pay my bills. It's not too bad. I'm okay. You don't have any savings. You don't want to save. When that furlough happened, I sat home, and guess what? All my bills were paid. How many more months you want to sit up? Because I'm like, okay, I work with people, feds who made good money, but we don't know how to save. We don't know how to balance our checkbooks. We don't know how to keep money. This person has to outdo that person. He had to pass the one. His sermon, my neighbor told me this. His sermon was, I so-and-so got this car, and I walked into that dealership, and I said, do you know who I am? He wanted a bigger, better car than the last pastor. Wow. I'm like, are you for real? And this is a well-known pastor. Wow. I'm like, mm-hmm. Then you have the ones that's all for the, I don't even give it a name the leadership in charge in Washington right now. Because when Ringling Brothers left, it's evident they left a whole bunch of their colorful clowns behind in Washington, (laughs) D.C. So the bottom line is simple. We need to come together. What can we do? Let's stop talking about it and be about it. We need to network. If it means that we have to get together once a month and have a meeting, and I'm like this, because black people will come out if you're going to feed them. How about if we're not going to feed you? And I tell you to bring a pad and a piece of paper so you can take notes that you can apply to your lives. Would they come out? Most of them probably would. Yeah. You said it. So guess what? If it starts with one or two people, then that's one or two people that we're going to help to save. How can we come together? How can we make this happen? Nowadays, we can make this network all over the place. We can do whatever we want. We can have private meetings. Don't have a public one with those crazy racists come on there and disrupt what you're saying. You have private things, and now they have waiting rooms. So you know who you're allowing into your meeting. If you don't, allow, if you don't know who they are, don't click the button. Yes. I'm like, that's what we need to do. Government going to watch us regardless, especially if they think that we're, you know, organizing. But there's a way to do everything. We need to learn how to save. And I ain't talking about going out here with these infamous African-American feel-good fluff-fluff gurus out here telling everybody what they're going to hear, taking your money, and you're not getting anything out of it. I tell people all the time, all the things that we do, We're underneath of a nonprofit. Will you support us? No, but they'll go out there and support somebody where their CEO is making a a million-dollar salary stealing all the good stuff because we have been conditioned to still run back to MASA to learn, to teach. The parents and these young children are history. 
It's up to us who have made it to that mountaintop. Education-wise, I'm in that 1.3%, but I'm still not going to become a member of the 1% because that's still held in high regard for the privileged. But am I going to stop working towards it? Absolutely not. Am I willing to share what I know? Absolutely. And even then, black people don't want to say, teach me. Heaven forbid a black woman know more than a person that don't know a thing. So just just keep us all down in the crab pot together. So, Pastor and, and, and uh, Allie B., where do we go from here? What can we do? And that stuff about I'm so busy, I'm so busy. You got time to get your hair done for three, four hours. They have time to get the nails done for three, four hours. If one thing this pandemic should have taught us is how to do things on our own. My daughter-in-law is sick today, but she learned how to do her own hair. I said, I'm telling you, it's not that hard of a thing to do. And I'm not saying never go back to your hairdresser, but you can save a whole ton of money. You don't even have to switch to Geico. You can save that money by learning how to do some things on your own. Somebody asked me recently on one of the shows, is there anything that I can't do? Because I decided that I'm going to be smart. I'm going to learn a little bit about everything. And what what I don't know, I'm going to be humble enough to ask about. What can we do to come together as a people? If that means setting aside that we're going to once a month, we can start out once a month. It doesn't have to be once a week. People have a whole month to decide. Can we come together on Zoom or something, see each other's faces, have our pads and papers down to see what we're going to do. We're moving to the digital age. That's a whole plethora of things that we can do all over the place. This show is heard all over the world. What can we do? Because now is our time. God sent this pandemic to get us grounded and to show us that the time for change is now. I'm opening up the mic to you, too. What do you like to say? Because. Well, I want to thank you for just unpacking, unloading, and unleashing a lot of good information and truth. We are, I am encouraged by this. I do know that change is necessary. I do need, I do believe that we have to be strategic and we have to be yes. mindful of what we do as far as going about that change. Now, I do believe that we have to open up our mouths, but we need to know what to say, and I'm with you. I believe there's some things we need to do for ourselves and do behind the scenes because yes. there's some things that if we put out in the open, we will command it to shipwreck before it ever gets an opportunity to get started. But I do believe that we have to unite and we have to support. And that's one of the things that we don't do a whole lot of teaching on as far as in our community about supporting one another. We have to support because they will take our money. We are one of the biggest consumers in, in, mm-hmm. in the nation. But the thing, the thing about it is what we don't save, we are not taught to save, we're not taught to build credit, we're not taught how to do things on our own. And just to let you know, I'm glad that you talked about the doing of the hair. My wife cut my hair. We ordered a pair of clippers, and they finally came. And I got me a haircut during the pandemic season, and I can say, yes, I look good. 
and I thank and I thank <laughs> God for <laughs> I thank God for that, and you know to hear you talk about those things, and we're learning that we can live, we can live, and I believe that the pandemic was sent for us as a wake up call. It was time for a reset because we have realized we have become so far out there that we no longer value family. And we don't even speak to one another. We're living in the same spaces, but the thing about it is we come in on shifts so nobody really knows anybody. But this is the season where we had to take time to look at one another. Some people realize that they don't really like who they're with. Now they had the time to spend. And I, and, and I, I'm going to I want to share, if you don't mind, my wife says she wants to share some things, and we're sitting here listening to you together and being encouraged as well as challenged in this season. Okay, Dion, would you share? Hi, Dr. Wall. This is um, Dion Golden. Um, I really appreciate your insights. I appreciate that all. Um, I was on a call also with um, a blogger that I um, I follow on YouTube, and he has um, – it was a Zoom call, and he had two white people there that he used to pastor. And it was interesting to hear their perspective. It is some white people that are, um, for us, interesting to hear their perspective, but I am of the mindset that we need to build from within and that, you know, all the other things or whatever. But I'm concerned about education. I'm an educator myself. I teach special education. Every last student in my class, with the exception of two, I have a total of ten. I teach the students who are on the last leg as far as the broken education system is concerned. I teach emotional support. Those kids who have a lot of trauma in their life, um, they, they, they don't know how to express themselves. We work on social skills, how to balance interpersonal adult peer um, relationships. And um, it's just amazing how... Uh, well, when I was on there, there was another lady talking about how when she was younger, one of her teachers told her that she was dumb, and the other person told her that she was gifted, and we just need to um, learn how to, um, you know, work around your differences or whatever and framing your words. I just feel like in the educational mm-hmm. system, we need to get back to educating our own children. Um, we need to band together, get some charter schools and things like that, because when I have people saying, your classroom doesn't look like a typical emotional support class. I have a problem with that because the majority of the kids in emotional support class and special education are our black and brown kids. So what is, right. that I'm bringing, what is it that I'm bringing to the classroom that my class doesn't look like, um, you know, a typical emotional support class or special education class? I'm not going to allow them to fit in their labels. That's one thing we don't do. I have a big sign in my classroom, you're more than your labels. I don't accept excuses. Do I accept perfection? No, because we're not all perfect. They do have learning disabilities. They do have deficiencies. They do have reading fluency issues, reading um, comprehension issues. But at whatever level that they're on, I expect excellence. So if you're in seventh grade and you read on a second grade level, I expect you to be excellent in a second grade level until you can achieve yes. more if that is um, for you to achieve more, but it really frustrates and infuriates me when I have aides coming in my classroom saying, well, they don't even do this in the gen ed classes. They don't produce this much work in the gen ed class. And I know that we're we're going into the um, digital age, click and order, but I believe our children need to know how to write. So I specifically yes. and explicitly teach 
writing skills where they don't have to have their iPads. They get so upset or whatever, but when you're writing on your iPad and you're writing like you're sending me a text message or you're writing like you're sending me a Facebook post with all these grammatic errors and things like that, I have a problem with that, especially when it's in the black and brown community or whatever. So I just um I know, like you said, I agree with the Zoom meetings of strategizing, coming together, having a voice and having a plan, because it's one thing to riot and loot and everything, but what's going to happen when the buildings burn down? Then what? We have to organize, we have to have a plan in place, and we have to have people that are able to execute that plan. We know that everybody is not going to be um, the one to execute, but we need to find out and pinpoint those people in, within our communities, within our sphere of influence that will be the legs right. and feet, that will be the front runners, that will be the mouthpieces and all those other things and not just sit and do anything. But I just really believe that it's a time where we're called to plan and to execute in everything. I mean, like like you said, we have so many talents within our African-American yes. community. We need to even look at how we are um, exchanging goods. Back in the day they had where they barred and things like that, you know, so mm-hmm. that we won't have to tap into um, the resources of the white America, you know, and a, a bunch of uh, the, the systemic um, uh, socioeconomical woes that keep us, you know, in lack and things like that or whatever. So we need to come together. If Mr. Joe knows how to make this or this lady knows how to do this or this one knows how to make soap and know how to do candles, you know, all these things or whatever, we need to get these things together so that we can, you know, build up our own economy, build up our own brothers and sisters, and move forward. But I'm really, really concerned about education. Um, This new, this distance learning, so uh, I want to say March the 11th was the last day we were in school, March 12th, distance learning. Well, again, I told you, I have students who are are seventh-grade students who read on the sixth-grade level. They struggle with myself and my age in the classroom to use their iPad. They can't even remember their birthday, which is their password. So you know what kind of learning that they were getting in the home. And I, I was volunteering to uh, do um, some meal distribution, and I had two of the administrators there. And they were like, oh, I'm so concerned about the special education children. And I told them, just stop it. I said, you guys are concerned about them being at home, but let's be real. They didn't get what they needed when they were inside the schoolhouse, the brick and mortar. Because we say individual education plan, IEP, but we put them in a system, and if it doesn't meet what the system has, if we have a student who has an augmentative communication need and we have to pay a little bit of more money, there's no money in the budget for that. So you just fake it till you make it, and you print off some cards for an artistic child instead of taking the money, spending the money that the taxpayers are paying to get them an augmentative communication system that speaks back to them so that they can hear it as well you know, and not wait for a teacher to be able to come to do the um, phonetics, you know, and all that other stuff. So it's just a lot of stuff that's broken, and I'm very disgruntled and upset about that at large. I mean, I'm upset about George Floyd and everything, but right now God has me in the education system, but I'm I'm just so disgruntled. And And I know that I need to be there because those kids need me. There, they need someone that can frame their words. They need someone that can understand the trauma that they're coming from. They need someone that can understand their plight and help them. Right. It's a sad state of affairs when you have students who are in general education classes who come to my classroom to ask how can they get an application to be an emotional support. 
that's sad because the, the teachers don't identify with them. I am one of two African-American teachers in a school that has at least 54 educators in that classroom. And now we have some support staff, and I do thank God because I didn't have an aide in my classroom for a while. My, my, my administrator, he's African-American. He's a black male, which is good. And I told him, leave the position empty until you can find me an African-American male. Until you can find me an African-American male to be in my classroom. I have 10 kids. Uh, seven out of the ten are African-American men. Until you can find me an African-American male that can be in this classroom, leave it empty. I don't want them in here because I need somebody that's going to be able to make a difference. My classroom is unique in that we do have academics, but we have those social skills and things like that. And some of the stuff right. that's taken place in there is phenomenal. I wish that other people could see it. Um, again, I told you, they want people to come and see my classroom, but this is what I do. I go to my students and I say, these people want to come and see this classroom and see you do this. Is this something that you want to do? Because I'm not going to let them be some type of specimen in a Petri dish and it be exploited. Because yes. the thing about it is what I have inside of me, you need to realize, what I have inside of me, and you need to search for it. They, put, they, they, they did the mistake of putting me on um, the um, equity and um, education, so we have equity and education committees. So they pinpointed people from every school and every uh, department. So we, we come together. We've been together like four times this year with these national specialists teaching us equity and education, but I am my particular buildings person, and I come back and I create, you know, create a – different um, trainings and things like that. So the first thing that we did, I know I'm talking a long time, but I hope I'm saying some good stuff. The first thing we talked about was tone and trust. So when they looked at equity and education, they thought it was going to be about, oh, you know, the kids, you know, disproportionately our kids don't have iPads. We just got iPads last year where our white counterparts in the suburbia, because I teach in a Title I school, they've had iPads for years. And not only that, when all this pandemic stuff happened, they had to come to the school and get their iPads because the kids can't even take their iPads home. So how is that really making them be a part of the um a part of the of the digital age when it's actually making them deeper in the digital divide? Because you teach them all day in school on the iPad and then you send them home to do paper or work. You send them home; they don't have anything to uh research with or anything like that, and most of them don't even have Internet. I can't even tell you the hard stories of how my principal called me. My husband's right here. I live seven minutes away from my school. My principal called me to tell me, can you come up here and help kids um, learn how to get on their iPad? Now, these are kids who've had iPads all year long, but they don't know because we have ELD, which is English Language Developers. There is a communication gap. So it's just so much, you know, in there, like, it's just, it makes me angry. It makes me angry. And just to piggyback, I, I, if I could, we realize that we have to really focus on communication. We have to be able to choose our words, use our words, and then we have to be willing to allow those words to be fleshed out in how we treat one another, what we're doing to build one another, what we're doing to enhance right. the community and the society in which we live in. If we're not making a difference, we're part of the divide. 
and we have to be able to cut things right to the uh, straight to the point. We need to be we need to be clear about things. Either you're with us or you're against us. There's no middle ground. Exactly. And we need to realize it's time that we have to stand up, and we need to step up, and we need to be willing to move up because we've been sitting back and we've been holding back and we have been falling back. We know about those, yes. and we've seen the results of that now. And if we're going to move forward, it's time for a change, and that needs to be the model as we move forward. We, we are behind yes. you, Dr. Wall, as you go forward. I'm grateful to have connected with you and to hear all that the Lord has deposited in you and for you to be able to be transparent, relevant, real, and relational. It's going to help for some of us to be rejuvenated, revived, and to be able to be moved forward in life because we have to realize it's time for a change. We have to go forward, and we don't want to take over. So you go ahead and carry it further as we listen. <laughs> I, again, feel free to join in, and I'm going to come back to you, Allie B., because she's a teacher as well. Um, wow, and I thank teacher, you. Honey. I thank you all for come, calling in today. I thank you all for joining the conversation. Um, I would like to reach out to your wife next week. This is the last Saturday morning show as of next um, Saturday night. If you're, if she's available at 9 p.m., the actual show that started all of this some 10-plus years ago, Healing Through Hurt is she coming back. She wants you to come in for healing. Um, um, I would Saturday love. Night. She wants to. 9 p.m. So, so you text us the information. We She wants to be on. Of course, I'm going to be there because I want to be encouraged and yes. blessed right along with you. Same place, same call-in number, same everything. The wow. difference is instead of it being 9 a.m., she will be on the 9 p.m. show because I'm bringing back Healing Through Hurt. That's the original program. That's my network is Healing wow. Through Hurt. And now is the time. And I always tell people, I said, this show is not scripted. I said, whatever the great I am and the universe sends to me, that's how we go. My God. And once again... I said, this might be an abbreviated show, but once again, we're probably going to take it out for the entire two hours. So if your wife is available this coming Saturday at 9 p.m., call in on the same exact number, and we're going to continue this discussion on the educational front. And Allie B., of course, if you're available, you can speak as well. So Allie B., after you heard all of that, Go ahead. So you saying that's going to be you saying next Saturday, next Saturday night or yes. tonight? No, next Saturday. Next Saturday night. Okay. We're going we yes. we we're going to look forward to that. Yes, most definitely. And, um again, and your wife can reach you out to sharing. me and you know, friend me on Facebook. Um I was going to have a show uh, and matter of fact, the name of the show is What's On Your Mind. That's the topic. What's on your mind? We're talking wow. about recovering and how we move forward. That's my actual, if you if you come back to this page, um, if you look at Blog Talk Radio and look up, or do a Google search for Healing Through Hurt, 10 to 1, page 1 at the top, my program will come up in the Google search. So if you click on that, you will see, and then you can look for ne- next Saturday night's program and you will see that it's about recovering, picking up after this pandemic. And it's called, my topic is what's on your mind. And your wife has wow. a lot to say um, with that, Allie B, as a teacher. And yeah, as a teacher out of too. state, you know, what are your experiences that you are, you're 
concerned about and that you've had to endure and deal with prior to, during, and after the pandemic? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Walt, I just want to say I am blessed by your death and your experience, and I thank God that you are willing to communicate, that you're willing to step out of the box. And that's what the challenge is. We have to step out of the box and move beyond the labels of I can't and I don't have and they won't give me. So I want to thank God for you and just want you to know that we love you and we are praying for you and we're excited about what God is doing for you and doing through you, and we hope to see you next Saturday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, I'm still not used to hearing people when they give me accolades because to me I was born on this earth and I have been through every single fire and been burned a million times to rise like the phoenix ex resurgum to rise anew every single time so for me it's what I was born on this earth to do and I always talk about people and how what their destiny is and that's what this is about and But thank you again. It's still odd for me to take that because growing up, I didn't have any of that. And I had to, it wasn't until I was in my mid to late 20s where I found my voice. So technically, it's only been about 30 some, about 30 years to the good 30 years that I've actually grown into who I am today. So thank you all for that. And um, wow. I, <laughs> wow. So um, Allie B., Again, you know, before, during, and after, what do you have to share? And hopefully, if you're free, if not, maybe you can listen in and send me some text messages next Saturday. Because okay. off the off the clock, um, I was listening to your wife, Pastor Golden, and um, I wanted to say some things that I'm not going to put up here on the show because, like you said, we're about to start something, and it has to be something where we know who's going to be coming into the inner circle. And it's not for everyone. And just because of the color of your skin doesn't give you a green ticket to come in because we got a lot of Uncle Toms and Aunt Thomasinas out here who ready to take everything and run back to muscle. So that's no longer acceptable. So, again, we have to know who's in our circle, and we have to know what our strategic plan will be because as much as we talk about developing new Charter schools and this and that, the powers that be already have things in place to put every obstacle to prevent us from doing that. But, but they keep forgetting that we're not our ancestors and some of us know what they're going to do. So we already have plan B, C, E, F, and G, but it's not for them Mm -hmm. to know. It's for us to do. So again, that's for a discussion off clock. And I'm sorry, Allie B, take it away. You have it (laughs) next (laughs) <laughs> okay. As an educator, I before the pandemic, one of the things that struck me was the number of EC children uh, that I taught that were African American. When I started teaching, I didn't come in the traditional way. I was not a traditionally traditionally prepared teacher. And so a lot of things that I was seeing, I didn't really expect. And I was floored at how students were placed in classrooms as far as education. I teach seventh grade language arts. And I noticed that uh, 
in some instances, when I guess a child, I guess, has dual labels, they would be placed in a different class versus being in an EC class. And that struck me because I know the talents in, in the things that my students possess. And I never really quite understood why I had so many EC students who were black versus the number of white students I've taught over the years. Um, going forward, right up until the pandemic, we got out of school March, March 13th was our last day of traditional school. And just the the way my school operates, it's a little bit different. I have, uh, we have a fourth through eighth grade and we have uh, dual programs. We have a program for very strong students who are, um, who have been tested and determined to be uh, academically strong and on an accelerated program. And then you have students that come in that are our uh, district students who are uh, zoned to attend the school. And those are the students that I teach. And just some of the things that they come in with that a lot of us aren't equipped to handle takes away from them being able to sit in the classroom and and learn to the best of their ability. One of the things that my district is now pushing is the social and emotional piece that comes into uh, making sure their needs are met before they enter the classroom because if they don't have a place to stay, if they don't have food, if they don't have these things, these basic needs, then whatever I come in to teach them won't make a difference. I have conversations with um, my colleagues, one in particular I've worked with going on uh, 12 years now, and we have the same conversation as far as we have these students who aren't able for whatever reason because of the blocks that have been put in place to reach their potential, and it seems that in my observation, seventh grade for some reason has come off as the the catch-up grade as far as we have a lot of uh, uh, parents and even teachers who want to uh, go ahead and put students through the um, IEP process, the Individualized Education Plan process, um, to combat some of the issues. And one of the things that I noticed um, in sitting in meetings and things of that nature a lot of these so-called labels that we are putting on our students are unfair labels. And we, like I said before, a lot of us are not equipped to handle the trauma and the social, emotional things that they don't have. And as a result, I feel that a lot of my students have been mislabeled because they're not seen as, you know, academically gifted it's the reverse. And instead of addressing some of the things or helping them to channel their energy in a different way, they're labeled as behavior issues. Allie, Allie, hold on one second. Okay. Hold on one second. We have a, a ton of people joining us in a call query. 
we're talking about anything and everything that's going on in society for social injustice. Right now we're speaking about our educational system. Uh, Sure, we could do a whole show on the Floyd incident and all of that, but that would lead to a lot more um, disappointment and stress and and, and, um, nothing really positive at this point. If you want to join our conversation and you're in the call query, press the number one on your phone. And I will bring you into the conversation. It is open chat, but the chat starter was about social injustice. Right now we're speaking about the injustice in our educational system. If you have something that you'd like to get off of your chest, now is the time. We have about 40 minutes left in our program. Press the number one on your phone, and we will be sure, and we do have a caller coming on board to join us. If you give me one second, let's see what the new caller has to say, and then we'll pick up where you left off. Uh, okay. Caller, 2673, last four digits, 2673. Um, Dr. Wall, this is Welcome. me again. This is, Dr. Wall, this is Dion Golden again. I just got on my own phone. The pastor's on his own phone. I'm sorry. I just wanted to Oh, okay. It. Okay. So this is you, 2673? Yes, that's my phone. Okay. All righty. Okay. Well, now you're both live. Oh, that's funny. Now you're both online. It's like, oh, uh, I need to talk on my own line. I understand, sis. I see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> so we can go back to Allie. Allie, go ahead and pick up where you left off. I'm sorry. I just wanted to see who else no, wanted okay. to join the conversation. And even just thinking and hearing what – um. Dion Golden was saying about her experiences and the expectations that she has in place for her students, I would love for that energy to be placed where I am as well. My, I feel sometimes that my students get the short end of the stick when it comes to the equitab- equitability of education. I will applaud my my school when it came to the distribution of our laptops, the laptops that the students have been using uh, now, I guess I'm not sure what year this is, how many years, but they started uh, with using the laptops and we were able to distribute laptops to everybody and work on um, working out things to get Internet access to the students. But that's not to say that there are still, you know, issues with that. I still have students who were not able to log in because they didn't have Internet access. And going back to what she was saying about, you know, educating our own, that's so important. It is so important that we go in and we educate because the way that the curriculum is designed is not designed for us. It's not designed to teach our students and teach our children about the successes that we've had and the things that have come in to kind of dismantle those successes to make it seem that we aren't capable of being the best that we can be. It's not the case at all. And I don't want my students to continue to go through education being passed along. Students that I have who are reading below grade level, when you look at their records, some intervention, something should have been put in place long before they got to my classroom. Right. 
Well, I tell you all this. This is what I'm saying, and I love it because you all know for years, if you listen to all of my old programs, you know that when the great I am speaks to me, when he gives me the vision to make it reality, oh, my head will explode. So in this short time again today, once again, I said the show isn't scripted. The way that divine timing comes has brought us together. I have been speaking with Pastor Golden and attending the uh, call-in services for a while now. Um, From what I gather is that Pastor Golden knows the wall side of my family, and I'm one of the other daughters. Um, So, um, you know, I, I wanted to thank you for even welcoming me in because right now I'm on that journey to learn who I am and where I came from. And um, the story is fast. Really quickly. It's interesting yes. that you say that because when you introduced uh, the Goldens onto the program, I have Goldens on my mother's side of the family. And that's not a name that I feel that comes up a lot. And I just, in my inability to sleep, I signed up for uh, Ancestry.com and to kind of chart the journey of my family. And um, my mom was telling me about some people, um, and I just thought that that was interesting and that, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there as well. Who knows? Again, (laughs) this is what I'm talking about, people. And guess what? I always tell people, I say, you can come to my show as a guest, but you leave as family. And really quickly quickly here, let me tell you all something about Allie being myself and this whole family that some of you may have read about on social media. For the first time, we all got together. I had met Allie prior to once. But we got together with my daughter-in-law, who's no longer married to my son, and Allie B and her girls and and me and my daughter-in-law, we all got together after I graduated from law school last year. We met in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm no longer married to Allie B's biological father, but we're still a family. Some people say, well, how does that work with the grandchildren and all of that? By DNA, I'm connected to one. But I tell everyone, I have. Some people are like, well, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. I said, that's you. I said, but because a marriage breaks up does not mean that my maternal instincts stop for my children. Yes. My daughter-in-law is married to a great new guy. We were all together. If you all get a chance, when you go back over on social media, look up the pictures when I'm in my doctoral regalia and all of that. We're in Charlotte, and that's our first time in history that we came together, and we literally lived a lifetime in a weekend. Wow. So we are coming together, and we are going to become strong and now that you all sitting there, I hope you all do have out your pad. I have my pad right here. Hear this? Yeah, That's my whole book. I got mine out. I'm a teacher. You can teach us right down everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got, I, 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 I got posts right I, here. I done, took, I done took 
notes on what Allie was saying. I got notes of what's on my mind and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And again, what we will do is outside of this, because there are people that have called in and said, this show is fire. You're telling the world what we are so afraid to say. And I'm like, well, that's what we're here for. And that's why we are still here a decade later, because it is about teaching that. Um, it is about teaching people or saying what people don't want to say. I just got started getting a bunch of messages over on social media. I have literally one, two, three, four, five, six units running so that I can make sure that people can hear. I have different operating systems. I don't want people to say I couldn't hear the information. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me make sure. So I'm running a little bit of everything here. I have learned how to take care of four four screens and two phones and everything else. I'm listening to the show in my left ear. I'm talking in my right. I'm watching four screens. God blessed me with a with a brain where I can multitask literally. I can write with my left and play the piano with my right. Hey, <laughs> man. Wow. It's all there. Praise God. And what I'm sitting up here looking at my room right now, and I I do art. So, Sister Golden and Allie, wherever, we can have a virtual online art class. We oh, can yeah. do all of this. Mm-hmm. We can do all of this. I'm looking at all of my paint. I'm looking at my optic yellow, my gold, my greens, my blues. I have all types of things. If you look at my page on social media, you know that I have a whole website where all of my artwork is sold. Again, seen and or sold around the world. I do abstract art. I've written a book, Solid Noise Lip Service, small book that people can carry with them. I put real-world experiences in poetic form. Again, wow. I because I, I was taught at a young age that I'm ugly, I won't be successful. So when I found my voice and who I was, and in divine timing, I decided, okay, so let me think. I'm ugly. All right. Been married twice, didn't work, so I got rid of them. Amen. Okay. Um, not going to be very smart. Okay. So I went out, got my doctor's degree, graduated with honors. All righty then. Let's keep it going. I decided to start my own businesses. I've run a corporation. I've uh, had my show, Entertainment Uncovered, used to air on the Warner Brothers Network back in the day. I have won two telly awards. I have been a member of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. This just ain't no joke. Joke. Hello. Yeah. Anyway, so let me tell you all something. You need help, I'm here. My foundation, my nonprofit, we are based on helping vulnerable and at-risk children and their families. We used to teach computer classes at the Randallstown Community Center back in the day um, until they started letting any and everybody in, and naturally they tore everything up. We have people on board who can teach you finances, how to save, how to learn how to budget better, so that whenever a crisis comes and you lose your job, you'll be able to sit comfortably and know that your bills are paid. We have to learn these things. Yes. There are ways that we can get to our children outside of st- 
starting charter schools and trying to keep them going. Think about how our ancestors did it. Uh, in the place down in southern Maryland, there's a place called Wallville where our ancestors had the little village it had. Um, I went to the historical society to learn all about Wallville and to see the one-room schoolhouse. It's since been uh, relocated, but it's still there. We could do road trips. There's a place, and I don't know whether it was Alabama somewhere, where there's the whole slave town, where they say when you ride through at certain hours, you can see the ghosts and hear their voices crying out. I don't need to go there to visit, even though I'd like to, because it's in my DNA. I know my history. And like you said, Allie, um, I've done 23andMe. I've done Ancestry.com. Um, I've met some of my family members. The only thing that I'm sure of at this point is that I'm a wall. I don't know anything about my mother's side. The secrets and lies run deep. But I do know that I'm a wall because all of the family members that I met either face-to-face or I've been connected to are walls. Hmm. So, you know, with that said... I'm going to switch at this point. Uh, show ends in about 27 minutes. We'll start. Everybody think about what your last words are going to be. Um, Allison, if you know some people in, uh, I believe the Goldens are in Maryland. So are you in Mar- You're in Maryland, right? Yes. It's We're in Maryland, but Pennsylvania. We're in Lancaster. Okay. All right. So you're in Lancaster. The church is Maryland. In Maryland. The church is in Maryland. They live in in um, Pennsylvania. So, again, we're all from different states, but we can come together. I said I have a private chat on Zoom. Anytime you all want to set up among yourselves, and I'll do a private group for us, and this will be the final group of the people who are ready to make change. So just as I love acronyms, this is FOCUS, Females Offering Clarity, Unity, and Success. And for those of you, yes, it is a registered trademark. Um, again, we need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how to protect what is our own. We need to know how to keep houses and homes within our family structure. We need to understand that a car with four wheels that costs 16000 will get you to the same destination as a car that costs $88,000. We need to know how to funnel our money. We need to learn. We need to teach our children. You want to do an online art class for the children that are so hyper and all of that? We can do that. God knows I'm sitting here looking at all these supplies. My daughter-in-law wanted a pyramid. I made her a pyramid and sent it to her. She received it just this week because I work with Russ and I do jewelry making. So, Sister Golden, you want to have uh, women's day out we can do jewelry making or the men y'all want to yeah. come last time the gentlemen sat aside and watched us make our jewelry and chit chat they yeah. supported us pictures of our things are up <laughs> i have everything that we need every bit of supplies and everything will there be a cost of course it was because we have to replenish and i tell yeah. people all the time i tell people all the time they say well how much do you charge for mediation i said 350 an hour that's high. I said, okay, let me let me tell you this. I said, you can go to the attorney. He's going to charge you three fifty an hour. He's going to drag it out yeah. for a year and a half. 
I said, I can help you solve it. Now, you could pay me 75 an hour, and I can be your life coach and help you solve things and help you to figure out your own solutions. And so many people get defensive, but then they'll run to the person that doesn't look like me and gladly pay them Come the on, same amount of money and more. And yep. yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I said, this is what we need to learn, and it starts with us right here, right now. So, Allie yep. B., I know I kept cutting you off. I'm so sorry. Did you have more to say? <laughs> no, I'm good. I think I, I said what I needed I to at the time. I'm okay. <laughs> but um, Friday, uh, Saturday night next week, we can get together again, and you and Sister Golden can take it away on the education theme. And maybe you two can talk and motivate and inspire each other. Yeah. To work together. Yeah. If you need the platform, you don't have to go out and get a new one. I have a paid platform. You want to do that together. I can facilitate a class for you all. Let's start doing this. Let's start having some classes. We don't have to charge an arm and a leg, but if it's a class that's very entailed, yeah, we will. And if they want to learn, they will come. So the bottom line yeah. is simple. We understand that some people can't afford that. We will work with anybody, and I do have colleagues who will sponsor people. But, again, yeah. we need to start somewhere, and that changes right here. That changes us. Yeah. yeah. I've touched a lot of people all over the world for more than 10 years. There's nothing more profound than when someone sends you a message and says, because of you, I didn't slit my wrist. Because of you, I put the gun away. You are my angel on earth. Those are the words that I have heard over the years. I, am I a rich woman? No. Have I been there at some point? I was pretty affluent for a while, but I know what it's like, the mountaintop, and I know what it's like to have nothing but my faith, forgiveness, and four cents to my name. Amen. I don't have much, but what I have, I'm willing to share. And my most precious commodity is that thing in between my two ears inside of this cranial case. The knowledge that I have acquired over these years is something that I'm willing to share. It's selfish of me to keep it to myself. But I need people to reach out so I know that I need to grab their hands. Amen. So again... Changes us if we're will, if you all are ready to make that change, I will make it happen on my end. We can take this offline any day you all want, and have face to face meetings so we can look at each other and figure out what we want to do. Even if we're gonna sit down and break bread together, and I can say, Allie B, what are you and the girls having tonight? You know what what your husband cook? And I'm like, I'm making a smart ones TV dinner, whatever it is. The bottom line is we can sit down and break bread together and not be in the same place. Yeah. One thing that I know, God said that we don't always have to be in that one building. When, when what is it, two or more of us come together by whatever means, he shall be there. Yeah. That's, That's what I truth. do. Sunday morning inspiration show. I say I apply real-world situations to the Bible. 
Tomorrow I'm talking about this hate-filled world. I don't remember which um, verses I will be speaking about or applying to, but or referencing rather, but I do know that that's what I do. About two years ago, I did my initial sermon, and I knew that that was great, but this is where I belong. This is where I'm supposed to be. The yeah. pulpit Praise is for God. you, Pastor Golden. That's <laughs> your area. That's your you calling. calling. You this is mine. Ministry. Yeah. <laughs> the classroom is mine, and then these systems. And the classroom <laughs> is yours and Allie B's. The classroom yeah. is yours and Allie B's. So, <laughs> again, I, I am. Just, I'm, my God. Go ahead, Pastor Golden. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just enlightened by each and every one of you, and I thank God because the thing that the Lord has been dealing with me ever since ministry, but as he allowed me to get older and better at what he wants me to do, finding my voice, so to speak, is building team. And I sit here and I look at you and I listen to what you're saying. It's about the team. The sooner we understand that each one of us has a part to play, but I need for you to play your part in order for me to reach my destiny. Yes. And see, people don't yes. understand that because we're too busy thinking about us, but we don't realize that there are links that will get us where we need to go, and it's about team. If we all unite in team, do you know that there will be no lack, there will be no slack, there will be increase, there will be overflow, there will be abundance. But in order to have team, we have to get rid of the whole lot of the eye because we have to change our mindset that we need one another. And I just, and I thank God, and I have to stop there because the preacher and my wife would tell me, oh, there you go again, I, I'm going that, that route. But I'm just so thankful <laughs> to hear you talk about team, uniting it together. Because the thing about it is daddy's going to take care of everything. He's going to provide. When we start doing his will, it's going to provide. When we give, we are like him. When we give, he, he provides the abundance. And I just want to say I thank God that he allowed me to collect, uh, to connect with Dr. Maria Wall. I thank God. I've been, I've been reaching out by way of Facebook, but I'm so glad that I'm able to say I talked to you, I heard your voice, and not only that, but I hear the depth and the, the character and the integrity of your heart. And I just want to encourage you, and that's one of my gifts. I'm an encourager. I'm going to push you. I don't care if you won't want to go. You'll be kicking and screaming, but I'm going to push you <laughs> because I need you to get where you need to go because others – Others are waiting for you. You said it earlier. Somebody's going to say, you know what? I may not have been suicidal, but I'm homicidal. You kept me out of jail. I, I, you know, when you look at those things and you get those type of things, they will break you. They'll break you down and, re- and make you realize that all the hell, the hurt, and the hollering that you had to go through only helped to lift you up. And what you thought was a burden was used, the Lord used it to make you blessed. So with that being said, I'm going to stop because Sunday morning is coming. <laughs> Amen. And you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I said um one of the things that I thought about when we were talking about teens, I said, "You know what? And we're going to go back with what I said earlier. You come here as a guest and then you leave as a family. You're a member of the I family." And I think that sometimes maybe we should change that word team to family. We need to come <laughs> back home. We need to come back home because, you know me, I'm the queen of acronyms. I said team means teach them and maybe. Teach them and maybe. 
know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. <laughs> when you come home to family, you know, family will be there. You know, they uh, somebody put up a post that I spoke about a while ago. They said, they say blood is thicker than water. But there, there was a time when water was there and blood wasn't. So you we have to understand it. something. When you say family, it don't mean that we have to be stuck with the DNA strand. Family is those people that are there for the long haul, that are there when we're at the mountaintop and we're at the lowest part of that valley. Family are the people that we can depend on. If they don't have a dime to their name, they have an ear that they are willing to lend. That is what family is. This is a family. When you come here, we are a family. Like I said, team means teach them and maybe. But this, I like that. we're on to something oh here. We're on to something here. We have to be that change. And if we have one person at a time, guess what? Our job is still well done. Yeah. And see, so many people get hung it. up on numbers. They get hung up on numbers. That's why they've come and gone. They get hung up on numbers. And like you said, I've said this before. I have my area of expertise. You have yours. Allie B and, and, and Sister Golden, they have theirs. Yeah. If I need to help them, I am able to do that. By virtue my, of my knowledge and my degrees, I am able to help them. By virtue <laughs> of that. Because one thing that I learned I is this. You can do whatever you want, but if you say I'm Dr. So-and-so, people tend to stand at attention. Hey, That's why so many people out here with that feel-good foo fake college thing going on there. It's 27 new doctors coming up every day because they didn't pay the fee to say that they died. And they literally don't. I said, people, y'all that hungry that you would rather, mm-hmm. rather eat the plastic the real food was wrapped in mm. instead of you <laughs> on it. I'm like, I oh. see how this is going to go. I tell people, all you are with them fake doctors, don't you think I'm going to call you a doctor on this show? And if you try to slip it in, I'm going to embarrass you. So don't do it. I sat there and I cried every night. My blood pressure was up and I had to go to the doctor to get new medication because I I worked for that. And you know, when we were talking about them white folks at work, when he decided to go, you talk to Mr. This and Mr. That. I said, oh, okay, Mr. So-and-so. Then my title proper is Dr. Wall. Just remember that, Mr. Bachelor's Degree from a (laughs) Diploma (laughs) Mill. I told him, I said, you don't care too much for me. That's fine. But you're going to risk because I'm not my ancestor. So Amen. We've got about 13 <laughs> minutes. Allie B., I'm going to give you the first crack at it to say what you have to say before we end. And then say some words of encouragement, whether it's based on what you need parents to do. Because parents, we're coming for you, too. Because y'all don't let your children, y'all have figured out that you don't like your children. Can you imagine what you've been sending to school to your teachers all this time? Oh, my. So the bottom line is simple. Maybe the teachers can't say it, but guess who can? Dr. C will say it, and I'm going to keep it real with you. Your children bad. (laughs) You need to fix you. In order for you to fix them, you need to set the example. So you old heads that still think that you in your 20s, come on home now. That ain't working no more. Because any time. You know, if all that that you used to have when you were 20, 
If you got to put on double things to keep it up and out just to grab somebody's attention, there's a problem. Come on home, sisters. Okay? <laughs> it's no sense in being, being uh, what what is it? What is it? I tell them, I said, I'd rather be seasoned. I'd rather be seasoned than sexy and stupid any day. I ain't trying to get with that. <laughs> so y'all need to keep that to yourself. You old heads out here, y'all need to come on home. Take care of your home. Learn how to cook. I said, hey, yeah. you all old heads. Y'all done oh, took man. all this chicken and food. Y'all can't cook. What you all hoarding up food for? You can't cook. <laughs> That's a show for another day. But go ahead, Allie B. I'm going to shut up now. Go ahead, sweetie. <laughs> In this uh, in this discussion, I am inspired and encouraged that we will be able to come together and start making those decisions to move ourselves forward. We're in a position, this pandemic has, for the most part, kept us still and kept us in place so that we can take, I guess, stock of what we have and how to proceed because what's happening isn't going to stop unless some significant changes are made and we can't do lip service anymore. We have to start putting actions behind our words and behind our protests. We have to do more than just march. We have to start having these meetings and start to realize that a lot of the things that have been put in place have been put in place to purposely keep us at odds. And we've got to take care of that first. We've got to understand what we have and the power that we possess. Mm-hmm. I tell mm-hmm. that to my daughters all the time. And we are so powerful. We're powerful in our talents. We're powerful in the money that we spend in all these different places. Just imagine what an impact we would have if we just took our money elsewhere. I think that as far as education is concerned, there are a lot of things that we need to overhaul, and that might not happen in the current education system. Another thing that the pandemic has taught us is that our traditional public school system isn't going to work. We're going to have to do something different. And if that means we have to into chartering our own schools, developing our own curriculum to make sure that the message that we want our students and our children to have is taught, then so be it. We are not as far as we think we are as far as racism is concerned. There are so many people that are in denial about it, but we can't let that be what guides us. What guides us is what we want to see for ourselves and for our future generations. A lot of history, I'm afraid, will be lost because we haven't taken the time to sit down with our children and share these things. And a lot of it, we weren't necessarily taught. I know when I was growing up, a lot of things that I know now, I had to find out on my own because of the education that I had. Like I said before, one day we randomly watched Roots, but there wasn't any context. There wasn't any explanation. It just seemed like, okay, well, there's nothing else to do, so let's just watch this movie. So everything that we do for our children needs to be purposeful, and it has to have meaning, and it needs to be something that will impact them for the rest of their lives. 
Amen. Sister Golden. Okay, so I want to thank everyone for their contribution to um, this call. I was very, very, very encouraged. Um, I I am so happy to have someone else because I, I, I talk to my husband about it all the time, but to have someone like Allie B to know what my specific struggles are because he can empathize with me, but he's not in it. I mean, I know I can have him as a voice of prayer, but somebody that I can bounce ideas off and where real change can happen. So the things that I gathered from here is being intentional. We need to be intentional in everything that we do. It's okay to sit and talk and devise and plan, but be intentional on how to execute those things, Um, building that family team um, the family, um, the family, knowing who had who are who's a SME, who's a subject matter expert, knowing who we're going to put where, um, holding each other accountable in these things so that we can see the fruit, you know, the fruit of our work. Um, also, revamping educational system. We know the educational system is not serving our students of color. Curriculums are not, um, um, curriculums are, they can't even identify with the curriculums. I, and I, I just want to say this quick thing. I remember one of the standardized tests were being taken, um, not state, just probably like a classroom diagnostic test that they have just to teach us how to teach and what kids, level kids are on. And afterwards, one of the students says, Mrs. Golden, what is a patio? I said, what do you mean with the patio? Patio is on you know, outside of your house, you know, and everything. Um, usually you find them in apartments and things like that. Well, I never lived in an apartment. I always lived in a house. Like something as basic as that. So um, revamping our curriculum and also racism um, having that conversation, not being afraid to have that conversation, not being afraid to call people on it. And I'm not saying it in a way where we're being combative or anything like that, but giving them that wake-up call, that um, moment of enlightenment, you know, and um, being able to have uh, conversations that will provoke um, their mindset to change or at least to embrace something new and something different. And also, Dr. Wall, what I wanted to do is the one thing that I got from you is knowing your words because, again, I, I, sh- I followed this other blogger, and he is a prophet, and he's a millionaire. He tells us about a millionaire. They make like $500,000 an hour, and he says knowing your words, and he talked about, some young man in there, he was an engineer, he charged $75 an hour. He says, no, $75 an hour is not enough. If they went to a white engineer, they would pay more than that. So $350 an hour. We we have these experiences, and we have, like you said, you have your paper behind it, your degrees behind it, knowing our worth and charging what we're worth and sticking to it. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Pastor Golden. I am at all, and I am grateful. And what, what you were saying in reference to knowing your worth, and I'll make it quick because you got less than five minutes. And, and, looking at, and looking at it, I remember when I, had, I went on a uh, Baptist convention 
conference, and we were in we were in Texas, and I'll never forget. I was a young preacher at the time, and I remember I had I had gotten my um my bachelor's, and it was coming down to dealing with you know doing weddings and ceremonies and things of that nature. And I said, and he asked, well, what do you charge? What is your fee? And I said, I don't charge. I said, you know, the Lord has blessed me. He says, no, you're sending the wrong message. Anything worth anything, people pay for. And he made it clear. He says, you have gone to school. You have trained. You are not, you're not a back alley when it comes to providing information and knowledge to people. You have experience and you have developed some level of wisdom. So I want to thank you for helping me to remember that God has emplaced the gift. And I'm like you. I done got my master's. I just said, you know, we're still paying for that master's. So I'm, I'm, I'm praying about the doctorate. But I thank God for you and what you're saying. And I guess in closing, I want you to say continue to be fat people. God uses fat people, faithful, available, and teachable. As long as you stay fat, God can use you. As long as you stay available and faithful faithful and, and teachable, God can use you. And I'm so glad that you have placed yourself in a position that Daddy can use you. People need to realize that it's not enough for us to have the information. But information is good to have, but it's even better to give. And we're going to learn that we're most like our Father when we learn how to give, whether it's a smile, a hug, or an encouragement, or it's just a leg up to help somebody. In the process of helping somebody, we're learning to give. And in closing, God loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So on that note, I'm just challenging each of us in, in terms of where we are and where we have been positioned and strategically placed. We need to live because God has given us life, and we need to live so that somebody else might grab a hold of life. We need to live so that somebody can manifest life, that we might go forth and go forward. I love you, and it's been a joy to share with each and every one of you. Dr. Walcott, bless you richly. Thank you all. Thank you all so much for being here today. I mean, a lot of times people can hear my callers say, were you crying? I'm like, yes, because I get very emotional over here all by myself, but thank you all for that. And um, Wow. Before we go, I want to remind you all that if you missed our show, please come back. It will be up. The replay should be up in a few moments. Uh, I see some more people still jumping on, so please listen to the replay. And we will be on at 9 p.m. next Saturday. I believe it's June the 6th. Um, 9 p.m., same place right here on Healing Through Hurt, I Talk Radio Network. We have 90 seconds, so I will say this. I want to pray each and every one of you enough. I want to pray you enough sunshine to brighten your rainy days. I also want to pray you enough rain to make your gardens grow beautifully. I want to pray you enough smiles to turn a frown that you've been carrying around upside down. But most of all, I want to pray you enough strength and courage to face whatever may be knocking at your door and coming your way from this very moment and beyond. So until next time, for all of my guests, be well, be blessed. We'll see you back here again, 9 p.m. Saturday night. Until then, take care, everyone. You too. Love you, Dr. Wall. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Allie B. I'm putting you all in our new chat room. Um, I'll get with you all in a moment.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.